It's good to be here with you guys today. I've just been excited about this series that we've been in called Formed. This, uh, we're about five, I think this is the fifth week that we're in now in the middle of this series, about halfway through the series. And we've been looking at how God wants to shape us, how he wants to form us. Um, God has created all of us. We are all here because God has allowed us to be here. And he is shaping us spiritually, emotionally, socially, physically. We are being shaped by God. Whether you know it or not, God is shaping you. And so what we've been talking about every week is how is, what are all the different ways that God forms us? What are all the different attributes that he wants, to, wants us to have? How is he shaping us as we go through our lives? And a couple weeks ago, every other week, we've been, we've been toggling back and forth between the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, and Isaiah, which is about halfway through the Old Testament. Both of these books kind of talk about how uh, what the things that God wants to do, how God wants to, to create and, and form new things in us. And, uh, Genesis is obvious. We started out with the creation and how God wants to, he's not just uh, creating us, uh, to form, creating us physically that we are, we are here on earth because of God, but also how he wants to create new things in us and form us spiritually. And a couple weeks ago, we, we, we was the second week that we looked at the book of Genesis, and we looked at Noah, we looked at uh, Cain and Abel, we looked at um, people that, that created this massive tower, uh, a tower of Babel is what we call it, and how they were looking for uniqueness. They wanted to be unique. They wanted to be, the, the, the spiritual churchy word for that is holy. They wanted it to be unique and set apart. And, and God had a different way for them to go about doing that than the, all the different ways that they tried to be unique and separate. And then t- uh, today we're picking up the Genesis story again. And we're going to continue on and look at a guy named Abram, or you might know him as Abraham. This is the story that we're looking at today. His name is Abram because his, his name had not yet been changed by God. But, uh, so Abraham or Abram. Now, um, if, you've, if you've heard the name Abraham, regardless if you've grown up in church, whatever, just raise your hand if you've heard of Abraham before. Well-known guy. He's, he's very well-known as kind of being the father of Israel. He, he is the guy that started the nation of Israel. And what's, what's really cool is that nations come, nations go over time, that over hundreds of years. Uh, the United States may not always be here. Rome uh, lasted for a while. The Roman Empire ra- ra- lasted for a while, and then it ended. Uh, Israel has always been. There's always been an Israelite nation. That nation has never ceased to exist. And this is the beginning of that nation. We're going to be looking at Abram and how God uh, started the nation of Israel through one man. Uh, now, today we're looking at righteousness. We're looking at what it means to be righteous and what it means for God to form righteousness in us. Uh, now, righteous, the word righteous simply means this. It means that you are in right standing with somebody. You are in right relationship with somebody. Now, I think we all can admit that we want to be good, or we want to be known as good, at least. And uh, I think that's just a common, uh, you know, there's a few kind of wackadoos out there that maybe don't want to be good. But most, by and large, most people in the world say, if you went and grabbed someone off the side of the street and said, hey, do you, do you want to be a good person? Do you want to be known as a good person? Most people would say, yeah, yeah, I want to be known as a good person. How they flesh that out maybe looks a lot different, but the core desire is there. We all want to be good. Um, I think, by and large, most of us want to be in right standing. With, with, with people or an organization. So um, if you work, um, perhaps you want to be in right standing with your boss. You want to have a good relationship with your boss. That may just because, be because you don't want to get fired or you don't want to lose your job, but you want to be in right standing with your boss. Um, 
depending on what neighborhood you live in, you might want to be in right standing with your, with your neighbors, with your neighborhood. Uh, there are, we don't live in one of these neighborhoods, but there's neighborhoods that have gated communities, and there are certain rules and regulations. You have to have your lawn cut you know, at a certain period of time, and you can't do this or that in, your, in the neighborhood. There are things that are off limits. You want to be in right standing with your neighborhood if you live in that kind of a neighborhood, and, and your neighbors are looking at you, and you want to have a good relationship with them. So we all want to be in right standing. Now, some of us in this room, and I think a lot of us, <clears throat> want to be in right standing with God. We're here probably because we want to know what it means to be in right standing with God. How, how can I make sure that me and God are, are okay with one another? And that's what we're going to be looking at today is what does it mean to be righteous in God's eyes? What does it mean to have righteousness the way that he sees it? A couple weeks ago, we had just a really awesome Sunday morning. Um, we had, two weeks ago, we had a guy that, that came, is a, a, actually a, a, a co-worker of Jessica's, my wife, and uh, he gave his heart to Christ. He became a Christian here in this room. This just happened a couple weeks ago, and this is, that's not the first time it's happened at Crosspoint. We've had, seen a lot of people come to Christ, but two weeks ago was just so, so sweet to be here, and it was so exciting to be here, and um, we can see that in an instant, just like it happened with him, in an instant, you can get righteousness. You can, you can get right standing with God just by making a, a faith decision. And we're going to see that in Abram today in his story. Um, righteousness can happen in an instant. But that formed righteousness, the righteousness that, that has to be formed in us, that can take a lifetime. And that's a long, long process that we're all on together. We're at different, maybe different stages in the journey, but we're all on this journey to righteousness with God and formed righteousness. So today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 15. If you have a paper Bible that you brought with you, go ahead and turn. It's the first book of the Bible, 15 chapters in. Uh, if you have a, smart, a smartphone or a tablet, um, you want to go ahead and turn there. We, if you um, have the Version app on your uh, Android or, or, or iOS device, you can download that app if you don't have it. And we put all the verses in there for today for you so that you don't have to go jumping around. We try to make it as easy as possible for you. So if you, if you brought some kind of a digital device, please follow along with us. The, the verses will also be up on the screen behind us. <clears throat> Just a few minutes of, of background to what the story that we're going to read today so just a few years, a couple of years before this story that we're going to read, God had already come to Abram and said, I'm going to make you, your family, your descendants, a great nation. He's already given him that promise. But what happened after the, the, last, the next couple of years after he talked to him about that was anything but. It was anything but this great promise that God was going to deliver to, his, to him and his family. The very first thing that happens after he gives him that promise is a famine comes in to the land. He was living in a land called Canaan which eventually becomes the promised land. And a famine sweeps through that, that land, and everyone is just fighting for bread and, 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 and trying to survive. So he and his family escape. They refugees, basically, to Egypt. And they go down there. The first thing that happens once they get down there is apparently Abram's wife, Sarai, later to become Sarah, uh, was just hot. I mean, she was just a good-looking, beautiful, beautiful woman. And, and, and she was the kind of woman that, that guys would literally, and I mean literally, kill to have. They, they would say, okay, I will kill her husband just to have her. That was, that was we live in a different time now. Now people don't, I, most people don't kill to have someone. Uh, so, but that was, that was pretty common back then. And so Abram says, hey, look, we're going to go into Egypt. Um, just say that I'm your brother. Um, let, let's, let's just let's take your ring off. Let's, let's, let's not let's not say that we're husband and wife here, because I kind of like my head where it is uh, right now on my shoulders. So um, why don't you just say we're, we're just, we're related, but we're not married. And so she does that. Um, 
We're not told what happens after that, after they sweep her away. Um, use your imagination. I, I, I don't know what happens. Um, but obviously not a good situation in their marriage. Um, if your husband says, hey, we're about to go into this place, um, can we just not be married just for a few hours? Uh, you're probably, wives, you're probably not okay with that. So, so they had kind of a rough spot there. They eventually leave Egypt and go back to Canaan. When they r- arrive back in Canaan, the, the famine, everything's better, but they, they have family disputes. And you've been there. You've, you've had family disputes within your extended family. He and his nephew fight over the lands that they have, and, and they, can't, they can't agree on who gets to, to what, have what sections. So Abram makes a deal with him. He says, there's, there's land to the east, there's land to the west or north, south. I can't remember what it was. You choose um, the good land or the bad lands. And what do you think, Lot, Jesus? He says, I'll, I'll take the good stuff. Uh, you take the bad stuff. And so Abram gets a kind of a shoddy deal out of that. The next thing that happens is Lot, that same nephew, becomes a POW. Um, it, he go, takes the good land, but there were a lot of evil people there, and he gets captured. And Abram takes 314 of his, of his best guys, his best dudes, and basically out of, out of an action movie, like um, the, if you've seen the movie 300, kind of, we, we would call the movie 314 or 314 because he takes 314 of his guys and he goes in there and, and risks life and limb, probably maybe so, several of them died in the process, um, just to save his, his nephew Lot. And, and oh yeah, over the last couple of years, they still don't have a child. Abram is over 75 years old at this point. He's been promised by God to have a child. His wife is barren. There's no chance of them having a baby. And yet God says, you're, you're going to be the ones to have a child. And a couple years have passed. They still don't have one. So life's not going great for Abram at this point. He's afraid. He's insecure. He's questioning God. And we're going to see that here in the story today. Um, I think you and I can relate to this. Um, we've been in places where, where, especially with God, where we have questions. We, we kind of assume that he's there. We don't know if he's there. He's promised us this. A couple years have gone by, and things aren't any better um, to us. So maybe you have um, money issues or job issues or relationship issues. Um, maybe uh, God's given you a promise, or you've read something in his word, and it hasn't come true for you yet. This is where Abram is, is at when we read our, our story today. So Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, the, words, the, the verses will be up on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. It says this, sometime later, this is a couple years after everything that I just talked to you about, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. So first of all, God shows up to Abram and, and gives him a very simple message. He says, I know you feel like I'm not there. I know you feel like I'm not with you and not going to fulfill the promise that I gave to you. But I want to tell you today that I am with you. I'm your shield. I will protect you. And I feel like that, that for anyone here this morning that maybe feels like Abram, maybe feels like the last couple of years have just been chaos. And, and whatever God promised you and your family, it's just, you're starting to doubt that, is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to happen the way God promised that it would? Um, the first thing God wants you to know this morning is, he, he's saying to you, I'm with you. I'm, I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. God wants us to know that he is our shield, especially when we need one. Um, if you're afraid this morning, if you feel like you're alone, I want to make sure that you know before you leave this morning that you are not alone. God is with you. God is going to protect you. He protected Abraham. He promised to protect you as well. Knowing that God is there, that he is going to protect us, doesn't necessarily take away our questions, though. We're still going to have questions. Knowing that God is there doesn't necessarily assuage all of our uh, doubts and our fears. And so, um, we're going to see how Abram had questions after this. He, yes, he acknowledges that God is with him. He knows that God's going to protect him, but there's still no kid. 
He still doesn't have a child. What, what is going on here? So we're, we're going to see that in the next verse. Verse number two. It says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord. And the sovereign is not a word that we use very much in our culture today. The word sovereign basically just means in control. Um, o God who is in control, who protects, who is my shield. Yes, I acknowledge that you are in control of all things. But what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Now, you've got to give Abram credit. He's, he's trying to help God out. He's trying to do his part to, to maybe help the, the prophecy, help the prediction come true in his life. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to make a deal with God? Have you ever tried to say, hey, God, if, if I start doing this, uh, can you give me this? Or, or you promised that, that, that this would happen to me in my life, and I don't see it yet, so if I stop sinning here, or if I stop doing this, or if I treat this person better, or if I become a better husband, a better wife, or a better father to my kids, if I, if I, if I do make this promise to you, will you fulfill your promise to me? And I feel like that's what Abram is. He's kind of making a deal. He's trying to say, hey, God, let's make a deal here. Um, let's, let's see what we can work out. I don't have any kids. It doesn't look like you're going to give me any kids. And yet you want me to have all these descendants. Uh, I, I see a lot of wealth. I've got a lot of stuff. And I have a lot of servants. Thank you for that. I, I love all the, having all these servants attend to my every beck and call. Uh, how about I just make one of them, one of my, my, my servants, and just adopt him. And he'll be a part of my family. And he can be the fulfillment of this promise. <clears throat> I sense a little bit of desperation from Abram. He's saying, um, you know, I, I'm not sure that you're going to come through for me. Um, if I can just help you out a little bit, maybe we can make this work. Um, I've been there. I know you've been there as well. You're in that moment of crisis. And you say, God, let's, let's make a deal here. If I, if I could just start doing this or stop doing this, then maybe you can come through with me. Here's the, the problem with that. And, and, and I think God knows that. And we're going to see his response here in a second. The problem with that is that we never own up to our end of the bargain, do we? God, God is perfect. He will always do what he says, but if you try to make a deal with God, you will never, never do it perfectly. You will never not screw up. You will never hold up your end of the bargain. And so I think God sees that. He says, yeah, you know, you're going to make your, your, descendant, your uh, servant uh, descendant of yours. That's not how I'm going to work. That's not how I'm going to do this. So let's look at, um, at the next verse here, verse number four. It says, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. He's just reiterating what the promise already was. And by now, Abram has got to be saying, look, I'm, se I'm more than 75 years old. All of my, my friends have grandchildren. I, I don't even have a single child yet. I don't see how this is going to happen. So the Lord, the Lord shows him something. It says, uh, verse 5, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And he's not being literal. He's not saying the exact number of stars in the sky is the exact number of descendants you're going to have. We actually know that he had many more than that. But he's just trying to make a generic point. You're going to have a lot of descendants, the number of stars in the sky. Now, I think uh, God does this a lot with us. He gives us something tangible, something physical, something we can look to. Um, two weeks ago, we looked at Noah, and we talked about the rainbow in the sky. So every time you see a rainbow in the sky, that's God basically reminding all of us, hey, that's that, when I put my bow, my rainbow in the sky, that's my remind, reminder to you that I'm never going to flood the earth again, not, not with water. And God is doing this with Abram here in Genesis chapter 15. He's saying, every time you look into the stars, every time that Abram, after this conversation, would go for a, an evening walk, 
um, outside of, walk down the street outside of his house and look up into the sky, he would be reminded of what God had told him. And God is using this tangible thing. I think that God does that with us today, maybe not through stars in the sky or a rainbow or anything like that, but you've had that moment that maybe it was a worship time that just seemed to come right at the right time, that, that time of worship was so sweet. Maybe it was here, maybe it was a different church, I don't know. Maybe it was a conference that you went to, but God spoke to you in a powerful way just when you needed it. Uh, maybe it was less tangible than that. Maybe you were talking to a friend at work and that friend just didn't even know what they were saying, but they said the right thing at the right time just when you needed to hear it. And I feel like that's what God is doing here with us. He's doing that with Abram. He says, I'm going to give you something to hold on to when you have doubts, when you have fears, when you are not sure about what's going to happen next. Look into the stars in the sky and see them. Now, uh, the stars in the sky probably doesn't sound like a lot to us. If you've grown up in the city, I'm, I'm a city guy through and through. I grew up on the West Coast, and I've only been around big cities with, with, big, uh, with big lights everywhere, city lights. This is before cities, obviously thousands of years before electricity. Um, I looked this up. The scientists say that at any time, if you live in a city, there's about maybe about 500 stars that you can see, depending on how many lights are in your city. If you go out to a rural area, and I love summer camp, uh, when we went to summer camp this summer, you can just go out and just see tons of, they say, scientists say untrained eye, un, you know, without a telescope or anything like that. They say that you can see maybe up to 15,000 stars. This, this is the sky that Abram was looking at when, he, when God says this. Look up into the sky. See all those 15,000 stars in the sky? Can you number those? Can you just start from left to right and just number every star that's in the sky? He's, he's making a point. He says, I'm going to do something that's so far, so ab- unbelievably far beyond what you would ever think or imagine. Um, so I think what we get out of this, this little passage of verses here is that God welcomes our questions. In fact, questions are a part of our formation. God wants us to ask questions of him. He wants us to, to question what, how he's going to work in us. Now, a lot of people ask a lot of questions of the Bible, and, and when God allows those questions, he's, he allows them because he wants them to be formed. He wants them to be shaped and take the next step with him. If he doesn't allow our questions, then how are we going to be formed? How are we going to grow? If, if, if we ask questions, then God says, I'm not taking any questions. I'm not interested in what you have to say. God always allows our questions. Now, the way that we do that here at Crosspoint, the way that we encourage that is through small groups, through discussion. We give you guys lots of chances here on Sunday mornings to, to talk with one another, to speak with one another, to ask your questions of one another. You can do that with leadership. You can do that with the person sitting next to you. We want to encourage questions here. Um, Crosspoint has always been a church since, since its inception. I, I, I was one of the the few in the, this room that was here at the very beginning, since its inception, Crosspoint has always been a church that welcomes skeptics. We welcome people with questions. We want you to ask, ask, ask while you're here. And God welcomes those questions as well. Questions are a part of our formation. Um, if you are just coming to Crosspoint, you've only been here once or twice, maybe this is your first time, I think you do that by coming back. Just come back every Sunday, ask more questions, talk to us. We want to help you find answers to the things that you are questioning God about. Um, if you've been coming for a while, I think that's small groups. I think it's time to maybe take a step and, and, and step into a small group. Get your questions asked and answered in a small setting where people can really engage with you over the answers. So questions are a part of our formation. We're going to see that formation happen big time in this next verse. So let's go ahead and um, look at verse 6. It says, and this is a huge, huge verse, and Abram believed the Lord. He now, let me make sure that we understand what, what he's saying. All he's doing here is believing what God just told him. 
Abram, in verse 5, God told Abram, you are going to have lots and lots of descendants. Abram, in that moment, takes his word for it. He says, yes, I believe that I will have lots of descendants. And what is, what, what's the result of that? Abram believed the Lord, that he would have descendants, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. This is such a crazy, crazy verse. I, I, the, the verse basically says that all he did was believe what God said, that he trusted that God, what God said was true, and he got righteousness out of it. He became righteous in an instant. In our New Testament, in our 2013 language, we would say that he got saved, he, he, he got changed, he became a follower of God, or you know, follower of Christ is how we would say it today. This is a huge verse in the Bible. Why it's so huge, and, and if, you, if you've read parts of the Bible, you know that, that, that later in life, later after, much later after Abram, we get the law, we get the Ten Commandments. Uh, even if you haven't grown up in church, you know, that, you know about the Ten Commandments. God gives a, the, his people laws to live by. And after that, we would kind of get off course with that. We would say, well, you have to do this, you have to do that. You have to follow these, these you know, 600 rules. And if you follow all of them pretty well, you'll get into heaven someday. That's not what God is doing here. He's saying, I haven't even written the law yet. I, Moses doesn't exist. He won't exist for 400 years. Before the law ever existed, Abram gets righteousness only because he believes, only because he has faith. This is a huge, huge verse in the Bible. We need this verse in order to understand the law, in order to understand the Bible as a whole. And this, this is what, what's true of, of Abram back then is true of us today. We are counted as righteous because of our faith. God gives us his righteousness through our faith. And what's crazy, even crazier, and I didn't catch this. I was talking with Shane about this a few weeks ago, and he pointed out something that I didn't even see. He said, um, notice that we don't see a verbal response from Abram. We don't see Abram say anything. Uh, God says, you're going to have a lot of descendants, and then nothing happens after that. Abram doesn't, doesn't say, yes, I believe you. Uh, yes, God, come into my heart. Uh, I need you. He doesn't say anything to God. He just believes. He's, God sees his thoughts, and he, says, he sees this mental ascent that happens to him. He says, yeah, okay, I believe you. I, I trust in you. And that was enough. So God, Abram, at this point, has not done anything. He's not acted out in any way. He has not said anything, and God gives him righteousness. He says, I'm going to see, see you as right with me. I'm going to make you right with me. You have not, up to this point, have, have not been a righteous guy at all. In fact, you've made a lot of mistakes. You're going to continue to make mistakes, but in this moment, I see you as righteous. That, to me, is huge. Let's look at Romans 4, because later, much later, a couple thousand years later, there's a guy named Paul, and he's writing about how we get righteousness, how we become righteous through faith. And he wants his audience to know exactly how long this has been going on. That this is not a new concept with Jesus. But this has been going on for thousands of years. And he actually refers back to Genesis 15 in his letter to the Romans, to the Roman people. And so let's look at Romans 4, 1 through 5. This is Paul, the apostle, talking about this. He says, he says this, Abraham, another name for Abram, was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. He was the, the founder of, of the Israelites, of the Jews. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Direct quote of Genesis 15:6 in Romans. Verse four, he says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. <clears throat> this makes sense. When you and I work for our paycheck, is that when you get that paycheck in the mail or, or they hand it to you or it's direct deposited, however you're doing it these days, 
did you get that paycheck because, you, because it was a gift? Did you see that, that your boss has given you, oh, that's so nice so that he gave me this paycheck as a gift? No, you, you earned the right to have that. And that's what Paul is saying. If we were, if we were going to, to do this by works, um, we would have something to boast about because we have worked for it and we, God owes us. God owes us righteousness because we've done so much for him. But Abraham hadn't done anything for, for God. He hadn't done any actions. He didn't even say anything and God gave him righteousness. Um, so uh, verse four, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. But people are counted, there's that word again, as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. So what was true for Abram back then is true for you, is true for me. Um, we get righteousness, we become righteous, we become right with God through our faith. Not through our works, not through our words, not through any act, but we are made righteous because of our faith. So God gives righteousness in an instant to Abram not through a process. The process of being formed, of his righteousness being formed, that's the process, but righteousness comes to him in an instant, and he hasn't even done anything for it. Uh, this is a theme that obviously resounds over and over in the Bible. Um, even though righteousness starts with an act, it starts in a moment with an act of, of simple faith, not even very complicated faith. He just says, yeah, I believe you, I trust you, and he gets righteous. There are more steps than that. There are steps in the process of that righteousness being formed. So let's look at what the next step looked like for Abram. It's gonna be a little weird uh, in our culture today, but this is, this is what God asked him to do back then, uh, about 4,000 years ago. Verse seven, it says, the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, there's that word again, sovereign God who's in control. How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? How can I be sure of this? Give me something that tangible that I can latch onto. And he already gave him the stars. Look in the stars, you'll see this. Now he's gonna give him something else. Verse nine, the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a, a young pigeon, a, a bunch of animals. So God, Abram presented all of these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abraham chased them away. He shooed them away. Again, God is giving him something tangible to work with. Um, he, God tells him to sacrifice. He, this is basically all that to say that he sacrificed to God. He, he sacrificed animals. This is one, not the, the first, but one of the first sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament. God says, I want you to sacrifice to me. I want you to take a next step with me. I've given you righteousness, but now it's time for you to do something. It's time for you to take the next step. So God forms us through the next step. We have to take the next step for righteousness to form in us. Again, we get righteousness in an instant, but righteousness has to, has to form, it has to work. It has to pro process through us, through our, our body, through our bones. It's the next steps after our initial faith that forms our righteousness. And, and, and God does this by involving us in the process. He says, uh, I'm not gonna let you just sit there and not do anything, um, not be involved in this. I wanna involve you. I want you to be a part of this process. I want you to be a part of this righteousness forming in us. The word that, that Shane mentioned to me a few weeks ago was embed. And I love this word of embed. I never thought of it this way. Um, when something gets embedded, it's, it's placed inside of something and it works through that. Um, so like yeast would be embedded in dough and that yeast would work through the dough and, and it kind of fills it out. God wants righteousness to be filled out, embedded through us, to, in, into our lives. That means it, it infiltrates our bodies, it infiltrates our emotions, it infiltrates the way that we relate to people, it infiltrates our actions and our character. Righteousness has to form through us and it gets embedded through us 
How? Through steps, through actions. We have to take actions in order for righteousness to form with us. And what's cool about Abram, and it's, it's kind of a weird verse at the end there, verse 11, Abram says uh, some vultures tried to come in and try to eat these, he, he just killed these animals, and immediately some vultures come in, and they try to take what he had just killed, and, they try, and, and, and Abram has to go, go through and shoo the vultures away, and he does that because he is not cutting any corners with this. God says, hey, look, I want you to do this, and Abram says, I'm going to do it to 110%, best I can. No matter what, nothing is going to come in between me and obeying you. You have asked me to do this. It's something simple. I'm not going to let anything stand in the way with that. How, how does that relate to us? We don't, don't make physical sacrifices to God through animal, animal killing, animal sacrifice. What does this look like for us? What has God asked you? This is how I, I relate it to us. How, how has God, what has God asked you that, that you've not gotten to yet, that you've kind of postponed, that you've kind of put off for a while? And vultures, so to speak, the things that have come in and have distracted you from that or have diverted your attention from what God is wanting you to do have come in and you've let them come in. Those vultures have come in and you have not shooed them away. You have not tried to get rid of them. They're maybe not necessarily even sinful things. It could be sin, but it's not necessarily sinful activities, but maybe just things that are taking your attention away from God or taking your attention from what God has asked you to do. Um, I think God's encouragement to all of us, including myself today, is to let those things go, to get them out of our lives. Again, they may not even be sinful things, but whatever things are prohibiting you from doing the things that God has clearly asked you and clearly asked me to do, I'm going to do whatever I can to shoo those things away, to get rid of those things, and to focus on what God wants me to focus on. Um, We see this in the New Testament as well, Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn to Philippians chapter 2, we'll have the verse on the screen behind me as well. This is the same writer, this is Paul, talking to people, and he's going to talk about, yes, we get righteousness in an instant, but formed righteousness takes a lifetime, it's a process, and he's going to talk about that just in a couple of verses. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is what Paul says. He says, dear friends, dear loved ones, you always have followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, away from you, it is even more important. And then this is the next part that's so important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results. Obeying God with deep reverence and with fear. For God is working with you, or working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God's going to give us the desire to please him, to do the things that he's asked us to do, but we have got to do something. We can't just sit back on our laurels and do whatever we feel like doing. God is saying, do something. Involve yourself in this process. You've got to work with me here. I'm not going to do everything for you. I've given you a directive. I've given you a, a thing that you need to do to help righteousness embed within your life, and I need you to do it. I need you to obey, obey me with it. Uh, Abram did this awesome. He, he was so, good, so great at this. He said, yes, I'm, I'm not only going to sacrifice these animals, I'm going to make sure that they are perfect animals. Nothing gets in the way of this. We see this again, and we're not going to cover this story today, but you can read it for yourself this week. In the subsequent chapters, right after chapter 15, eventually Abram does, spoiler alert, Abram, Abram actually does have a kid. He has a son, and, and the f- very first thing that happens, one of the first things that happens when, when, when uh, his son Isaac becomes a little bit older is God says, I want you to kill him. I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. Kind of weird. God just told Abram that you're going to have a son, and that son is going to have more sons, and they're going to, why, why are you asking me to kill him? The strange thing is that Abram just does it, 
He, he doesn't actually go through with it. God doesn't let him actually go with it, go, go forward with it. But they climb the mountain. They get to the altar. He's there with a knife over his son. He's willing to do whatever God says. And God holds him back at the last minute, and he doesn't actually go through with it, but he was willing to. And, and we see that with the sacrifice of the animals. We see that with the sacrifice of his own son, his only son. And, and how powerful is his willingness to obey? Um, Shane talks about this a lot in his messages. We've, over the last year, we've heard him throw out this phrase, hear and obey. And I love that because it's such a great rem- remembrance, a reminder that we, it's not enough just to hear what God says. It's not, just, not enough to just know what God says and what he's asked us to do. We have to act on it. We have to do something. And that action, taking that next step with God after righteousness has been given to us, that's what forms righteousness. It's those next steps. So what's the next step for you? Not the next 14 steps, not the next seven steps. What's the next one step that you need to take for God to form righteousness in you? That's what I want you to think about this morning. Let's look at the last passage here before we close. So verses 12 through 16. It's been a long day. Abram's been talking with God. Um, He's been communing with him, and God's been giving him a lot of things to think about. Um, Look at the stars. um, Sacrifice these animals. Um, It's getting late in the day, and, and we see this in verse 12. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed and, as slaves for 400 years. And we know that this is a prediction that comes true. This is, um, for 400 years, the Israelite nation grows and grows and grows, and then eventually you get Moses, let my people go. And, and so they've been oppressed by Egypt and enslaved by Egypt. So this, we know that this comes true later. Verse 14, but I will punish that nation through the plagues that enslaves them, and in the end they will come come away with great wealth, which actually happens as well. Verse 15, as for you, Abram, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Um, God shows that our righteousness oftentimes, and I would say almost every time, will go beyond our lifetime that righteousness, we get righteousness in an instant, righteousness gets formed over a lifetime, but it's going to go beyond our lifetime. And, and I, I think God does this not just through key characters in the Bible, like Abram and others, but he does that through your life and through mine. Um, this was going to go way beyond his lifetime as well. It was not just the next generation or three generations down. 400 years later is finally when God would fulfill his promise to Abram. You are going to become a nation. It's going to take 400 years to get there. That is going to be so far beyond your life. You will not get to see any of that. You're not going to live that long, but I promise that I will make it true. God shows that our righteousness goes beyond our lifetime. Now, part of, of what we need to have with our mindset with this is what Steve, Steve Ward was our pastor before Shane came, and he loved to talk about this, this phrase. Some of you know what phrase I'm going to say before I even say it, eternal perspective. He talked about this idea that we've got to have this perspective that sees beyond our lifetime, that sees beyond what, what you and I can experience between the time that we're born and the time that we die. There's things that God is doing in you and doing in me that will be, not be fully realized until you and I are gone. And it's going to be in the next generation. It's going to be the generation, uh, three generations to come. Um, I believe Abraham had this eternal perspective. Let's look at one verse that we're going to see why, why I believe that. Hebrews chapter 11, again, back to the New Testament. 
Um, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but this person was uh, very interested in the chapter 11, especially in, in the, this, this uh, hall of fame, this hall of faith, uh, people that walked with, with God over, over many, many years before that. And Abram was, Abram, Abraham was one in a long list of people that he gives that are kind of like these, these heroes of faith from the Old Testament. And so let's look at uh, just one verse, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 13. And he's referencing a lot of people, but we're just, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it because we're just talking about Abraham today because Abraham would have definitely been included in this statement. But verse 13, it says, all these people, a list of people, but including Abraham, died still believing what God had promised him. He did not receive what was promised, but he saw it all from a distance. He saw the future beyond his lifetime and welcomed it. He agreed that he was a foreigner and a nomad here on earth. He, he believed, he died believing that God, God's promise to him would come true. That even though he would not see that promise come true in his, in his fullness, he would see him, him, he and his wife eventually have a son, even though they were long, long in years. They eventually, he gets to see that, but he doesn't get to see his grand, I don't believe he gets to see his grandchild. Um, if he does, it's not very much before he dies. And then, and he doesn't get to see his great-grandchildren or his, his great-great-grandchildren. God's going to fulfill the promise much further beyond his life, and he dies believing that. So let me ask you this question as we, as we kind of close this morning. What do you want your grandkids to say about you? What do you want your legacy to be through your family? Um, I've been thinking about this that this week. Jessica and I don't yet have kids. We kind of similar to Abram in, in this sense. I mean, we're not having trouble having kids. We just don't have kids yet. Um, but uh, but I've been thinking, you know, what when we have kids and then our kids have kids, what do I want my grandchildren to say about me? What, when they look at my life, when they look at pictures of me, hey, this is your granddad. Um, what what do I want them to say about me? I want you to think about that today. Maybe you think about that at lunch today. You go to lunch and you talk about it with your spouse, or um, if, you're, if you're not married, maybe you just think about it, talk about it with your friends, and say, um, you know, what, what do we want to be known for um, you know, in the next generation, in the, life, in the, the generations to come? Um, what God is doing in your life is so much bigger than you guys. Um, God wants to do things through you that you will never fully realize, and we have to have this eternal perspective. Um, God wants to form our righteousness with his own. He wants, he wants to take the, what, what we believe God is telling us today, what God wants to do through the scripture is that God wants to give us his righteousness, but he wants to form that righteousness with his own. And that takes a process. That takes a long time. It takes a lifetime, really. Um, God is doing something in you, but you've got to act. You've got to respond. You've got to do something. If you've been kind of, you know, you, you got saved when you were, uh, you know, a young person, or maybe you got saved a year ago, and, and not, your life's not really all that different, and you haven't made any steps to walk with him or to let God's righteousness form in you, my encouragement to you today is to say, look, forget the past. Move forward. Move forward with a next step with God. God wants to form righteousness in you with his own righteousness. Um, is God, while you're waiting on God, at the beginning of the message, we talked about troubled times, times that we all go through. Um, you know, why, are, why am I not getting that job that I need? Uh, why is that, that girl or that guy not, not see me the way that I see them? Why, why, uh, why are we having trouble getting pregnant? Why, why are we having money issues or relationship issues? Why, why are we having these struggles? And God says, I'm with you. I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. But while you're waiting on me, is he waiting on you? Is he waiting on you to do something? Has he been waiting on you for a long time? Um, has he told you something that you have not executed yet? So what's your next step? Let me throw out a few ideas for you, but you come up with your own. 
Um, maybe your next step is placing your faith in Christ. Maybe, maybe you're here and say, I don't, I don't even know God. I don't, I don't know Christ yet. Maybe you need to do what Abram did and say, yes, I, I trust you. I put my faith in you. Um, maybe you know Christ, but you just need to come and you don't know very much about him and you want to learn more. Maybe that's just coming back next Sunday. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's coming back week after week to find out more and more about this God that we serve. Um, maybe it's being baptized. Maybe you've, you've become a Christian, but you've never obeyed God in water baptism. And we, we can help you with that. We can walk you through that process, what that process looks like. Maybe it's jumping into a small group to ask your questions and get those questions, start to get those questions answered and, and figured out. Maybe it's stepping into a service role or learning to give. Um, you know, we, we give of our tithes and offerings because we love God and we want to serve him. Maybe it's one of those steps. Maybe it's none of those steps. Maybe it's something else that you can come up with. But what is your next step to get you to the place where God wants you to be? So two questions this morning. What do you want your grandkids to say about you? What kind of legacy do you want to pass on to the next generation? And what's your next step to get there? The band's going to come, and we're going to sing several songs to give you a chance to respond to this, to, to the message today. And, and as we sing, I want you to be thinking about what, is, what are the tangible things, what are the physical things that God wants you to do? What are the, things that he, well, the ways that he wants you to respond to him through actions? Um, God wants to do something powerful in our midst, but we have to be involved in the process. We can't just let him do all the work. He's not going to do that. He's going to help us along the way. He's going to be our shield. He's going to protect us, but God expects us to do. He expects us to do things. Um, if you don't have righteousness, if you don't feel like you're in right standing with God this morning, there's never been a, a better Sunday for you to get that taken care of this morning. We want to help you. And if you want to come pray with me or talk with me about it, I'd love to talk to you during, during this first song this morning. Uh, Amanda is going to lead the song, so I'm going to be down here. Um, if you want to talk with me, you can. Um, if you want to, um, to get things figured out uh, with God, he, he's here to do that with you. Um, Laurie is in the back. She'd be happy to, to talk with any ladies. If, if, if you're a lady and you want to talk with another woman, um, please go into the back and talk to her, and I can talk with whoever. So let me, let me pray for you. Um, I know, know God wants to speak to us through these songs and, and through, through the message. So God, we thank you for your righteousness. We know that we can be made right with you because of our faith because of just just as simple as saying i trust you i believe in you i i follow you and just that simple statement is enough for us to get righteousness it happens in an instant but over a lifetime that righteousness has to form in us and we have to say yes to you your your directives when you give us something that we you want to you expect us to follow through on and to act and to respond to you we have to do that in order for righteousness to form. We will never have the fully realized righteousness that you want us to have until we do, until we act. So God, whatever the next step is, whatever we need to do to, to build our legacy for the next generation and the generations to come, show us that today. Help us to step out. Help us to be bold and to not be afraid, but to step out cleanly and, and purely into what you've uh, asked us to do. Not cutting any corners, but just doing it. We love you, God. Help us. Help us as we take that next step. We love you so much. In your name I pray, amen.